Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, the show's host. And on this show, we talk about how complicated healthcare is and can be. So each one of our guests shares a piece of their the healthcare IT puzzle. And today we have a special topic. And so I want to introduce or actually allow you to introduce yourself. Can you take a moment to tell me who you are, where you work, and then we will get into the topic of our of today's conversation. Sure. My name is Mio Akasako. I'm so excited to be here. I am head of brand and design, a company called Ash Wellness. So Ash Wellness is a company that I founded and we enable more inclusive and accessible healthcare by providing at-home diagnostic testing to the healthcare community. So any organization, including public health, hospitals, um, digital health startups, we enable them to bring testing into the home. We went to an event last night, mm-hmm. and it was a very important event last night. It was a drag show, and we are in Nashville, Tennessee. So I will bring it up that that is actually going to be illegal to do very shortly. You are the organizer of that event. Can you tell me why it was important to make that happen and your involvement and how you got that, how it came to be? So when we heard that this big healthcare conference was going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, we decided we really had to do something about it because there are so many laws, particularly in Tennessee, in this current environment that are very anti-LGBTQ, including there's one, the, the drag ban is passed where Essentially, drag queens won't be able to perform or like show themselves in public starting April 1st. There's also the gender-affirming care ban that was passed recently where minors under the age of 18 won't be able to access gender-affirming care in the state of Tennessee starting, I think, July 1st, 2023. So this means that anybody who's under the, the age of 18 who has been transitioning or in the process of making that decision, they will have to detransition or be forced to detransition unless they can somehow access care out of state. And so we decided to throw this fundraiser since we're in Nashville to support this cause. And so all the funds that were raised with this event is actually going to a rapid response fund to that our partners, um, Inclusion Tennessee, a nonprofit organization here, is putting together. 
And this, these funds will be accessed by families and the youth in Tennessee who would like to access care out of state once the, the ban takes place. All right. And your space within the healthcare puzzle is in inclusive care. Yes, is that definitely. accurate? <laughs> yes. Okay. So okay. I think that there's a lot of people who don't necessarily understand what gender affirming care is, why is it important, and you know, the population of what they're going through right now, right? Mm -hmm. And you likely have a lot more insight into that. How would you explain to somebody who's questioning, why does it matter? You know, why does it matter that we can't do both of those things that you mentioned? One, that drag shows are illegal, like (laughs) weird that 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 is actually happening, especially considering the fact that while we have been here in Nashville, there was a school shooting. Mm -hmm. And so like there are bigger, more complex, in my opinion, like issues that we should be paying attention to, like gun control and (laughs) figuring out like how to save people's lives. And yet there is all this attention on the LGBTQ community. So Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) Yeah. So from your perspective, can you just share with me what is it like to be on the receiving even as an organization, how do you navigate that and how are you helping the folks that basically feel attacked essentially it's really important in in times like these to to stand for something and as a healthcare organization primarily led by you know queer folks we want to make a stand for us it's in the healthcare i guess for us it's easiest to do that in the healthcare space it's difficult <laughs> it's a difficult place to be because people are well policies are definitely affecting the work that you are doing. Mm-hmm. So maybe can we talk again about ASH and what kind of work is being done at ASH Wellness? Sure. ASH, we actually started off as a D2C sexual health startup. And so we were trying to solve our own problems as like queer, as a queer founding team where we wanted to make SDI testing, like sexual health testing, more comfortable for ourselves because you know, some of some of the people on the founding team, they've had experiences where, you know, they're still closeted, they're still not out as gay or queer, and they go to the doctor and they're they don't the doctors don't actually know how to interface with somebody who's not, you know, straight, cis. Sure. And so we wanted to bring testing into the home so people can feel comfortable testing themselves. They don't have to face the stigma or judgment that they might face if interfacing with a doctor who doesn't know actually how to provide inclusive care. And so that's where we started. So okay. for on ordering those tests, are those available online? Do you have to, like, how would how would a person get access to those tests? In the beginning, it was ordering online and we were trying to make sure that they were affordable and that they would be delivered discreetly to your home or wherever you wanted to be delivered. That was like year one okay. of the company. And then we started to realize that our platform, like this platform where like, you can deliver care into the home is valuable for so many different healthcare organizations. And instead of us trying to do this thing, we wanted to provide the service for organizations who already know their community well and they are they already have expertise in like what type of healthcare that they wanted to provide. We pivoted to become a B2B healthcare company. So anybody could use our services and provide care as they, they need. And it sounds like trust is a really important part of the queer community, I would imagine. Like whatever, yeah, yeah right? Like <laughs> so. how do you identify who you can trust, who you mm-hmm. can talk to, who you would, uh, you know, receive care from? Mm-hmm. You know, can we talk about some of the challenges of finding the right provider or 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's really difficult for, like, even just as, you know, like a cishet, like straight person, it's still hard to trust anybody with your own health. And you're always like, are they telling me the right thing? Like, are they, do they actually care? Like, are they just out for the money, (laughs) you know? And I think that increases so much when, when you are queer, you are part of the LGBTQ community because you're, like constantly faced with like oh like people don't like and you don't you don't know if like people you don't will know understand. if people are an ally, <laughs> if they understand yeah if they understand yeah. or like how much do you have to share yeah. I would imagine <laughs> like yeah and like are you gonna get judged for you know having this type of sex or like I like this type of person like you don't know if you can actually say these things to to your doctor and so I think that's why there's a lot of I mean well I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> For example, I think there there is a nonprofit here called Outcare Health who makes databases of providers who who are like inclusive and who who know how to provide gender affirming care. And I think these things become important. Well, when we think about inclusivity and a sense of belonging, how what would be the ideal scenario? Like, what exactly is inclusive care or gender affirming care for folks who don't? I mean, it's kind of an esoteric thing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it's not. It's very specific. (laughs) I don't know. I'm asking. I mean, as a whole, inclusive care means like anybody with like any, everybody should feel comfortable seeking out care and like everybody should get, everybody has like the right to get the care that they need, whether they live like how, how far they live from the hospital or if they have, if they can't walk, if they have a disability, like if they're, queer, whatever, like everybody, I mean, healthcare is a human right, you know, so exactly. like, mm-hmm. I think it's providing like equal standing and like, <laughs> well, and I think, okay, so regardless of how somebody identifies as healthcare as a human right, everyone mm-hmm. should have an opportunity to speak to healthcare providers about what's their own health, specific health issues, right? Mm-hmm. And we're making it we, not we, but the it, policies that are being put in place around the country are making it a less trustworthy place for people mm-hmm. to go in and receive that. So it's super challenging. I know it's difficult to talk about, but like, can you talk about some of the challenges that you see people going through and how can we best support them? Ultimately, that's what I want to get after because I, like, I feel like the community in, a, in, in very explicit ways is under attack. And mm-hmm. so how can we be good allies to the community and give them support, even if it's, you know, whether it's through voting or talking to our congressperson or whatever, but like actionable ways that people can be good allies. Mm-hmm. Definitely speaking out about these things, because I know like as a person who lives in New York City, like we don't, or at least we live in such a bubble where like, of course there's messed up things that still happen, but but we we live in a bubble where like, being trans or being gay or, you know, it's accepted and we don't really have to worry so much about these things. But but once you come to an area like Tennessee, for example, like people live such different lives where they are, you know, like kids have to be scared about their lives and like, you know, mothers have to be worried about if their child is going to, you know, are they going to, is something bad going to happen to them? Are they going to get targeted by people? And so it's important to realize that not, not everywhere in the U.S. is the same, and like we we have to be cognizant of it, and we have to speak out about it, even if we ourselves are not in those areas. 
I think um, you're, I mean, absolutely right, especially for the trans community and in, and understanding that like, even if that's not my issue and it, it doesn't matter, like mm-hmm. if once you think like, oh, it doesn't, aff- that's not going to affect me, that's only happening to them, but that circle can get closer and closer and closer. And if mm-hmm. you're not taking a stand for anybody, then you're yeah, taking a stand for nobody, essentially. Yeah, and then the world crumbles and <laughs> we yeah. go backwards and... Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's really very scary. It is. It's a very <laughs> scary time, and it's it's scary to think that we are living in a generation that our, you know, daughters and the people younger than us have fewer rights mm-hmm. than uh, our than our parents. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's it's and and potentially getting worse and continuing to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. So. You basically organized an event and it sounds like it happened in a very short period of time because you decided to take a stand. Yeah, I think like knowing that it was in Tennessee, like there was no way we couldn't do something about it as as a queer founded company. So we decided to put this event together in, in two weeks and get and reach out to some partners, including, you know, Inclusion Tennessee, which is the nonprofit organization who is taking a stand locally. And Mr., who's one of our partners, they provide HIV and PrEP services to anywhere in the U.S. And also the Health Foundation, who we reached out to. The Health Foundation is running this conference. And we reached out to them last minute saying like, hey, like this is happening. (laughs) Is there any way you can support us? And they were all in on it and made this happen and yeah, it was it was a great event. I'm really happy really we happy did it. it. Yeah. So, can you share any highlights from the event? Yeah, we had a drag bus that was going from the conference to the the bar, which is called Tribe. It's a gay bar in uh, Nashville. You guys should all check Visit. it out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we had a drag bus take uh, folks over to the bar, and then wait. So, if somebody doesn't know what a drag bus is, what's a drag bus? So- uh, yeah, it's a bus that. Has a, some drag queens and uh, it's basically, I guess it's essentially like a party bus where, you know, people can interact with the drag queens and like have fun and dance within the bus. And it's a great way to get transported to places. <laughs> I didn't actually get to experience it because I was, I was at the I'll bar. I'll tell you that I did. I got to experience the drag bus and I have some photos that I'll share. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, so the bus went to the bar and then we had two shows where a bunch of drag queens came out and did their thing. And then we, I think the the biggest highlight for me was being able to listen to the experience of a mom of a trans child. And she, she agreed to speak with us or speak, speak about her experience as a mother to a trans child and knowing, just like listening to how, how hard it is. And it was it was very moving to to hear her story. Can you share um, any of what she said, even if it's anonymous? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she said like it, the hardest thing about being a mom is you know knowing that your child might commit suicide at any moment, and like knowing that your child isn't doing well. And one, I think, I think the coming out process is hard for everybody. And so she she was describing how you know before her child came out. They weren't doing so well. I think they were cutting themselves. And and then once she realized that this was happening because the child wasn't feeling comfortable in their own body, she made like a huge effort to support her child, which not everybody has. And then she witnessed her child getting better after like she provided support and like accepted her child for who who they were. 
But then all the all these bans started taking place. And, you know, now she has to be scared again. Yeah. So. It's a scary time, I think, for everyone. I know more than a handful of people, more than two handful or three handful of people who their kids are experiencing, you know, expressing that, that they are trans or mm-hmm. non-binary. And it seems to be more way more common. People don't quite... I don't know that anybody fully understands it. I don't even think it's ours to understand. I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something that has happened in my life where I'm like, you know what? My understanding of it doesn't mean, or my lack of understanding of it doesn't make it any less true or real. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the struggle that potentially the queer community faces is that people don't don't get it, mm-hmm. and they're trying to yeah. wrap their head around it. Or they refuse. Or they refuse to. to yeah. <laughs> or even like, it doesn't matter any way or how many conversations, how much you try to like explain it. It's not something that some people just fully either accept or or just get. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I don't understand Japanese, and that doesn't mean that Japan <gasps> Japanese isn't real. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I speak Japanese. Uh, yeah. so we, can, we can have that conversation. <laughs> right. Oh, I didn't know that they were Japanese. I just picked a country. But. <laughs> yeah, but like that's, that's the one way that I kind of wrap my head around it is that it doesn't require my understanding. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people come from that place. I think that they feel that in order for, you have to approve of something and you have mm-hmm. to understand it to approve of it. And guess what? It's none of your business. Yeah, <laughs> or there's like a set worldview that people have and they it's really hard for people to go outside of it. Yeah. yeah. I also think it's very complicated and if you've met one person who's in the queer community, like you have one story. Like mm-hmm. it is such a rainbow of, you know, experiences and what people go through and mm-hmm. I feel like ultimately we want to create a world in which we like the diversity and that we are believing in the sense of inclusion and mm-hmm. people have an ability to be their authentic true selves and mm-hmm. still thrive in the world. But I feel like the environment that we are creating is one in which they have to hide or feel unsafe mm-hmm. or feel you know distrustful and they could potentially go to jail in places like mm-hmm. Tennessee for being themselves. Yeah, and the people in power nowadays, you know, they they don't they have this narrow worldview and they don't accept people outside of like a certain demographic or community and it's not only, you know, LGBTQ the LGBTQ community, it's also, you know, abortion care is exactly. like <laughs> and then Tennessee also there's another event that happened where the state government basically rejected all like federal funding for HIV prevention. It's like $8.8 million for the first time in like however many years. And the public health community is like, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, like actively trying not to help people. Right yeah, now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, we are at time, Mio. Okay. But I want to acknowledge and say thank you for having this difficult conversation with me. And also for being your first podcast, yeah. I understand that like <laughs> so one, this is like a big topic to tackle and a difficult one. So thank you mm-hmm. for being here and thank you for being vulnerable and I appreciate you and what you're doing in the world. Well, thank you for getting the stories out there. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. If people want to follow your work or connect with you or somehow get involved and support your initiatives, where would you send them? I would send them to our website, company website. It's poweredbyash.com. 
I guess you can always find me on LinkedIn. Okay, I'll include that information in the show notes. Thank you so much. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. Would you mind taking a moment to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is David Stein. I'm one of the co-founders and CEO of Ash Wellness. And we launched Ash about three years ago, actually as a consumer company doing at-home sexually transmitted infection testing for the LGBTQ plus or queer communities. COVID hit and we pivoted to the B2B side and we now exclusively work on the B2B side powering at-home testing programs for providers across the board. And our mission and goal is really just to make healthcare more inclusive and accessible. And we believe by bringing diagnostics to really wherever is most convenient for patients, we uh, remove a ton of structural and social barriers to accessing healthcare. Wonderful. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, What we want to talk about today is about what's going on in Tennessee specifically. That is the event that we both just came home from. And so I want to, I'm curious, how did Ash Wellness decide to collaborate with Inclusion Tennessee and Mr. in response to the new law, the new Tennessee laws, specifically SB1? And what motivated your company to take action? We were at the health conference in Vegas in November and had been looking forward to the Vive conference in Nashville, you know, this past week and had been following the news. And, you know, we're an LGBTQ plus run company. 80% of our employees identify as LGBTQ plus. A lot of the work we do as far as the companies we serve are in the queer communities. Just in, you know, naturally following kind of the news around everything that's going on around the nation, our attention was turned to Nashville because we were going there. And our PR strategy and kind of our branding strategy has been to be the gay company. We're like, we can differentiate ourselves by being the gay company, by letting people know we're proud of who we are. We care about making healthcare more accessible and inclusive, especially for the queer communities. But it's a good way for people to remember us. And so learning about everything that was going on in Nashville and that is going on in Nashville, we're like, we can't just go there and hold another happy hour. We're like, yay, healthcare and inclusivity. We're like, we have to, if we're going to put any money to this, let's try make an impact and let's try work with organizations on the ground who actually know what's going on, who actually have direct connections to people on the ground who, you know, are being affected by this. And so honestly, it was a light Google and Inclusion Tennessee came up, but immediately we knew, you know, just by reading their website that they stood for everything we stood for and that we really wanted to work with them. So we were like, let's try email them. I'm sure they're, you know, doing 8 million things right now and fighting this bill and working with the ACLU. And we emailed them and the director, Phil, uh, emailed us back the next day and was like, I'm in, let's have a Zoom conversation. And so we did, we decided to put together a drag show fundraiser. And the idea being that there's a gender affirming care bill or they are removing access to gender affirming care for individuals under the age of 18. And paired with that has been a public drag show uh, ban. And it's just pure hate. And it's like legislating pure hate. And we're like, okay, let's, you know, we're a queer company. We're working with Inclusion Tennessee. Let's show that we're not scared of this hate. And that if we're coming together at a conference with health health care leaders from across the nation, 
this is a good opportunity to put this issue in front of them. So we decided to do that. And this event came together in less than two weeks. I mean, along the way, we're like, we might as well bring in some partners that we work with that serve this community and are still giving access to not all of the care that is being removed, but a lot of the care that is needed for individuals in our community. So we reached out to Mr. as well and said, how would you feel about joining us and sponsoring this event? And they were like, absolutely, absolutely, yes. It also relates to Tennessee's denial of HIV funding from the federal government. They just decided they don't want that funding where Tennessee has one of the highest rates of HIV incidents in the last few years. So, I mean, and Mr. provides HIV care and prep and all that kind of stuff. And so we all came together. I know that was a very long answer. <laughs> that was great. So um, it was also a fundraiser, correct? So mm-hmm. can you share where the how much money or how much funds were you able to raise and where did those funds go? Absolutely. So our goal was to raise $5,000 and it is for Inclusion Tennessee, but specifically for their rapid response program, which is basically awarding grants to families that have children who are under the age of 18 and go going through gender affirming care and are losing access to it and giving them grants to be able to go out of state and find access for find doctors and and access to gender affirming care and so we set out with the goal of five thousand dollars we now are at twelve thousand dollars today so it's been great we also got the health organization, the Health Foundation, who puts on Vive uh, to pledge $3,000 to um, the campaign and also came out and showed their support. But yeah, I mean, the money itself is going to families that are having to go out of state to find care. You know, one thing that I am genuinely confused by is one of the laws is like we're is taking away gender gender affirming care but then making sure that anybody who's had it is getting it essentially removed how is that even possible like if somebody were to go out of state and get gender affirming care and then come back into the state does that just make them illegal for existing i don't that's a little mind-boggling i think the the goal of these laws and you know we're seeing it all around the country is to say trans individuals should not exist (laughs) um so in a sense you know that is what it's doing but my understanding as far as like requiring detransitioning is what they call it which is the most disgusting thing to ever have you know, existed in, uh, don't even get me started. But my understanding is if you're in the process of hormone replacement therapy and you stop it, you start to go back to what your body is naturally producing. And so it, in that case, right, it's it's not like they're forcing reverse surgeries or anything like that to my knowledge, Okay, but it's more related to the hormone replacement therapy. But if you are under the age of 18 and want to get gender affirming surgery, you are no longer able to do that in the state of Tennessee. So it goes into all of kind of the healthcare needs of those individuals. And it's clearly top of mind as it should be for the queer community. For people who are not part of the queer community, why should they care? It's a great question. You know, we had a mother of a trans child at our event and she came to just share her story, which I thought was so moving and gave a great answer to that question. And, and, you know, there's more than one, but 
what she brought up was just that LGBTQ plus individuals, and especially those under the age of 18, have the highest rate of suicide, attempted suicide, self-harm, depression, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. And she just said, as a parent, her biggest fear was her child killing himself. And the fact that so much of that has been related to that child not being able to be who they want to be and not living in a society that accepts them is so harmful and so dangerous. And I think it was something that it sounded like to me from her point of view, right, that that in of itself kind of brought her whole family on board and was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. We're going to get behind our child and make sure that they can receive the care and access to it that they need. Um, So I think that's the first thing is just like, we're talking about life and death. Like we really, really are. It's not, you know, as someone who is gay, you know, we don't choose to be gay. It's not a choice. How frustrating is it when you hear that? Because when people say that this is a choice or even being trans is a choice. It makes me want to vomit. Like it makes me sick. It makes me sick to my stomach. It's just so, you know, you think we live in 2023 and there's so many places and spaces that represent LGBTQ plus individuals, yet we're here kind of reversing those laws and and saying things that truly harm people. And I think at the end of the day, the reason people who are not a part of the LGBTQ plus community have to care about this is because it's life and death. It is life and death. You're you're, You're asking people to not be who they are and put them in positions where they don't want to live anymore. If you as an individual can't get behind that and can't understand why that is a problem, then I don't know. I don't have any other arguments. Yeah. And I believe that trans kids have every right to be trans adults and the older generation, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. I always say this to people like somewhat as a joke, but I mean, I do mean it is, it's just that, you know, God forbid you should just make someone feel comfortable. Like that is what we're asking. Like just like allow them to feel comfortable in their own skin. Like that is what we are asking. It's not that crazy. Well, and if the laws are saying, hey, you can be yourself, but just in a private place. So you you can do whatever it is that you want to do that makes you happy as long as it's behind closed doors or literally closeted. But as soon as you step into a public place, please keep it to yourself. Like that's completely unrealistic and asking a lot from an individual. And you can imagine how that would affect their mental health. Absolutely. And I mean, what is so important for the community and for future generations and my generation and all that is to see representation of people who are like you. And so if everything is behind closed doors and closeted and, and, you know, not allowed to be in the open, you think you're different. You think there's no one like you. You think that you should, you know, hide all of that. And that leads to depression, anxiety, suicide, all of it. And I think a lot of people, a lot of power comes from individuals remaining silent. Like they get to maintain their power when people feel like they can't speak out, they can't take a stand, or if they feel like they're alone or isolated in their experience. Absolutely. I mean, this made my mind go two places. One is, you know, the health foundation who puts on Vibe and health, you know, we emailed them and said, hey, 
first off at the health conference in Vegas, you didn't have gender neutral bathrooms. And so if you are someone that does not um, identify as male or female, that's incredibly hard to be at those events. And so, you know, they responded and were like, you are totally right. We're changing all the family bathrooms to gender neutral bathrooms. There's going to be signage all over the conference about it. Um, And, you know, we'd asked for a few other things, but point being is that these things need to be out in the open so that people feel comfortable. And, and if, if someone like health, who's putting on this huge healthcare conference, can't take a stand and put their, you know, voice behind just making people feel comfortable and included, um, it's a huge problem, but my mind, the other place my mind goes is the deputy governor of Tennessee. I mean, he's behind all these bills and then posting on LGBTQ plus individuals, Instagrams, um, saying, come visit me in Nashville. Like, are you serious? Yeah. It's all over the news. It's all over the news. And so I think, you know, a tale as old as time is just that a lot of these individuals end up being people that are staying silent or being super anti, you know, the queer community or whatever, because they themselves are, you know, afraid of who they are. And, and it goes back to not pushing people back into the closet and letting there be representation around, you know, all then I guess I could babble on about this all day, but another conversation I had around our event was Mr. was there. Right. And so Mr. is a teleprep organization. They provide PrEP, which is the one daily pill to prevent HIV that many LGBTQ plus individuals are on in all 50 states. And so they came and joined us and, and, and sponsored the event. And so clearly, as a result, they do a ton of work in the HIV AIDS space and prevention space and all that. And so someone at the event came up to me and said, look, you don't understand how amazing this event is for me and how impactful this has been. And this individual was well, self-identified as someone in their late 60s. And I said, oh my God, of course, you know, I this is what we care about, whatever. And he's like, no, you really don't understand. My first partner died in the 80s in New York in the AIDS epidemic. That same year, 30 of my friends died. He's like, you can't imagine what that was like. And coming here to this huge healthcare conference and seeing one of the main events being this drag show benefit fundraiser is just like, it warms my heart. And it's, and we've come such a long way. And, you know, I turned back to him and said, what's interesting, and I talk about all the time too, is as a gay man in tech and in business and all that kind of stuff. I don't have a lot of older kind of mentors and individuals that hold these positions because so many of them died in the AIDS epidemic. That's right. And so it kind of goes both ways, but it's so important back to your point to just, you know, not stay silent and take a stand. And and at the end of the day, once again, we are talking about life and death. The part that is one of the aspects that is also very scary to think about is how vaguely these laws are written. And so specific to the drag, you know, okay, so I am not an expert on this. My understanding is SB1 in Tennessee prevents any sort of cabaret or any individual that would appear to be presenting as the opposite sex in a public place. Now, because of the language that they used, that could, from my understanding, affect people who are non-binary and transgender. Like we we call it the it's a it's called a drag ban essentially, but it's not. That's the point of it, right? It's to say, hey, if you are someone that is not passing 
as a trans individual and you're walking down the street, then you're essentially not allowed to exist. And the consequences are significant. So I've been doing a bit of research. My understanding, if somebody is caught, so to speak, their first offense is a misdemeanor and potentially six months in jail. A second offense would be a felony and six years in jail. And we're talking like, just think about that. I'm sure you've thought about it plenty, but imagine like, okay, we're, we're going to literally arrest folks, punish them for identifying the way that they, you know, is authentic to themselves. And then also that felon, that felony aspect of it prevents them from participating in voting, running for office, having any sort of power it is like it is a very calculated and well thought out in its vagueness and i believe that also there are just like similarly or you know parallelly for women who want to obtain abortions in states that you know that is illegal like texas that there's now like warrants out or not necessarily one but basically who who anybody who's catching them can also get a reward and so we are pitting individuals against each other and just when when you think about i won't i didn't even say when you when i think about all of the complex issues that we have going on in the world and also taking into account you know what actually harms children and let me just say it it's the guns <laughs> it's not the gays and where we're putting our attention is literally ass backwards. I'll just... 8 million percent. I read an article a couple of weeks ago um, that just called, you know, this bill's language borderline, like, genocidal. Like, yeah. like, this is... And to your point, right? I mean, it starts with removing women's access to healthcare, to abortion, to contraceptives, to that. Then they come for... <laughs> the gays and and the trans people and all that kind of stuff and i you know it reminds me of one of those i forget what it was called but uh those poems that came out of the holocaust around you know i know exactly what you're saying yeah and back to your point that's why it is so important to take a stand and 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 put our money where our mouth is and 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 if we're going to be in those states because the conferences that we have to be at to, you know, propel our business, then we're going to take a stand while we're there. But I mean, Bills, I'm no legal expert or anything like that, but I agree they are artfully kind of written. So that crafted, yes. Crafted so that, yeah, it is so vague and that it does kind of have these long-term you know, to your point, like if we can't vote and change the people in government who are writing these bills and passing them and all that kind of stuff, I mean, it just, it, it, it takes us back literally hundreds of years. How do you think is the best way for people to show allyship? Like what can people do to support these causes? And it's around the country, not obviously just Tennessee. First and foremost, and I know so many people say money, but I actually think showing up is the most important thing. I said this at our event this past Monday, just like the fact that we had 150 people in the room from the health conference show up and say, hey, you know, I'm here to just show my support by being here in person is huge. It's huge. And I'll say the same thing. Look, we spent the whole day Monday walking around the conference, passing out 
basically uh, little business cards that said like, Hey, we're putting on this drag show fundraiser. You know, half the people we passed it out to were like appalled that we were passing that out and like, look the other way. And like, like they were clearly uncomfortable. And I'm like, so much of it is just showing support, showing up, going to support local businesses, bars, whatever that are LGBTQ plus owned, that are safe spaces for LGBTQ plus individuals to keep them alive. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, outside of that, and we asked Inclusion Tennessee, like, look, we don't want to bother you. We don't want to put extra work on your plate. We don't want to throw some silly little event that's not going to have impact. Tell us what is the most important thing. And I mean, he said the same thing. He said, showing up and showing your support for our community. But number two is putting money behind kind of these efforts to rent these bills from actually passing. And three, and to your point before, is helping people register to vote and educating them as to why it's important to vote so that ultimately we don't have people in leadership positions who are drafting these bills and passing them and so um hit like a girl podcast we do a lot of advocacy for women and i don't know that enough women understand that our feminism has to be intersectional and include these other communities like we are definitely in this together so I will say out loud to all of our audience and members and listeners that when we say we support women, we mean all women and all women. Yeah, I've seen the term women spelled with um, an X, like removing the A and just, you know, being inclusive of, to your point, all women. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. I think that this is a topic that a lot of people are very uncomfortable with and i get it that they don't understand it's not something that if it if you don't know or interact with people within the queer community or have friends or family members who are transgender or along anywhere within the the queer spectrum like you think it doesn't matter but it does it's population health and we all need to be taking care of one another and so consider this taking a stand. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for giving us your platform to spread this message. And I'd love to follow up with you just to provide resources around people just educating themselves and becoming aware of kind of both what's going on, but also who trans people are, what the life of a trans person looks like, and and kind of the plight of what it's like to exist as a trans individual in the U.S. today. I would very much appreciate that. Thank you so much, David. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.